The OMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. Innistrad is coming soon, and StarCityGames.com is your source for boxes, cases, fat packs, intro packs, complete sets, and singles. Head on over to StarCityGames.com and pre-order Innistrad today. On a very emotional YoMTG Taps. When I saw Army of the Damned, like, I actually teared up. everybody and welcome to episode 80 of Yo MTG Taps. I'm Joey Pasco and uh, today we're joined by a special guest and waiting on our normal uh, co-host. <laughs> We've got uh, Frank Lepore of Untapped Podcast, among other places, T- TCG player of course. What exactly is your uh, is your title there at, at TCG player, Frank? Uh, my official title is Communications Manager at TCG player and I'm also an event coverage reporter for WotC. So that, that's right. That's right. So uh, welcome Those to are, the show. Thank you. So uh, I think pretty much we're going to talk about uh, touch on standard, touch on modern, touch on legacy a little bit. And mainly, I think we're just going to talk in First, I'll just quickly uh, this past weekend, we had Star City Open Series in Atlanta. And um, for standard mono red one, there were three copies of mono red in the top eight. Um, Michael Tabler uh, won the event. Um, and also there were. Two copies of Tempered Steel, which I know people were saying was a, a deck that was kind of on the way out. Uh, one, only one Callblade, and then two copies of uh, Blue Black Control. So kind of uh, an interesting little top eight there. But I, I kind of I don't know how, if you feel this way or not. But like I don't even care about Standard right now. Uh, it's you know when it comes to the point of a new set and a, and a whole rotation coming up, like Standard does get a little like. It feels like you're just waiting at that point. You're just like, well, all right, a couple more events, cool, move it on. Yeah. You know, and then until the new set comes out anyway. And then it's a, a whole new format. So, like, whether Mono mono Red won this one or Blue Black Control, you know, it's it's like, well, that's not even going to be a deck in two weeks. So Yeah, pretty much. It's hard to invest in it. Well, we'll uh, we, I just got a message from Joe. He's online, so we'll add him in, in here, I guess. We'll take a vote. Do you want to add him? I don't know. It's I'm up in the air about it. Yeah, I guess. Let's ask our live studio audience. No, no replies. No, All right. yeah, well, <laughs> I'm going to add him anyway. <laughs> All right, sounds good. It was a tough crowd. Yeah, yeah. Uh. All right. Hello. I, I knew you were going to just do a voice. What? <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Is this the Wizard People Dear Reader voice you're doing now? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh boy, we have a good time. Yeah. All right, Joe. We're uh, we're in the middle of a hot conversation. So, did you see the the results of Atlanta at all? No. Okay. There were three mono red decks, two tempered steel decks, two blue black control decks, and one call blade deck. And uh, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Well, I, I think we were just saying like uh, Innistrad's coming out. We're excited about that, and we're kind of just waiting. Well, and, sure, it's kind of lame duck at this point, but yeah. uh, but still, those decks sound like they're already kind of leaning more towards uh, what's to come than what has already happened. So, yeah, I think two interest two interesting things. Like, even though it is a dying format, or that like mono red is still putting up good results 
when t- when timely reinforcements was just printed. Yeah. So like I think that's funny. And yeah. another thing is that like uh the top 16 seems to be very uh it's missing some of the name players. There's no AJs, there's no Jerry T's. So yeah, that's, I thought that was interesting for this top sixteen. Yeah, I I know Jerry T uh, top sixteen legacy, but yeah, it's it's interesting. I kind of thought the same thing. There were a lot of players' names that just you know you don't see the big yeah, <clears throat> the big no, names. No there. Edgar Flores, no Drew Levin, like literally none of them. Yeah, and and I don't know. Were they uh, all there? I, that's that's I'm not sure if they were not there. I have to believe that not all of the grinders just decided not to show up. I know Spagnola yeah. was there actually because he wanted to. Uh, yeah, he's another one, I guess. He was trying to level eight before Innistrad comes out, and he's trying and he did. to. Yeah, and he did exactly, which which is awesome. So he's getting the uh, the four times uh, you know, Innistrad or whatever the the playset of Innistrad. So that's pretty awesome. That seems pretty good. But uh, yeah, so I mean. Standard, like you said, Joe, it's like lame duck, and I'm kind of excited for Innistrad, and it almost, <clears throat> I kind of feel exactly the same way about Modern right now, which is like, I'm very excited to play Modern when I find out what the changes to the band restricted list are, because it's it seems very uh, pointless, really, to to keep playing modern with a with an announcement coming up next week basically yeah, actually, on the 20th yeah i didn't even realize that it was only seven days away like i read that this morning and i was like the 20 oh wow that's only a week away yeah so i'm at this point where it seems like i just don't really care about playing either of those formats because they're going to change so much i mean standard's going to change drastically um I, I don't know if i've said this before on the podcast you probably I, have I just can't fi- – I can't bring myself to care about Modern. At all? Like, no, not really. Like, Man, it's, what's, what's <laughs> that about? I don't know. <laughs> like, I wish that, like, I cared about it. I just don't because it still just feels like a PTQ format to me, and it's about to be sealed PTQ season, and that's my favorite sealed – that's my favorite PTQ season of the year. So, like – I just can't bring myself to really care. It just like it'd be like caring about extended right now. To yeah, me, but I think the difference. I like I I just realized that when you said it actually, and I'm like, why isn't it a PTQ format? You know, why don't I feel that way? Because that's how I felt about the previous extended when it was just like standard deluxe or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, I, for some reason, I feel differently about this. I don't know. I feel like the fact that they thought so hard on this and they deliberated so hard that like maybe they're gonna actually try to make it like as common as standard like maybe it'll be an fnm format or maybe it'll be you know i don't know like i hope the queues keep firing on magic online because the format's excellent like there's so many options it's much better than old extended not uh not old old extended but the most recent extended double extended or double yeah, standard rather right now the pro tour just happened and i saw the modern decks that came out of that and like i kind of hated all of them but i mean it, like that's the first event too you gotta you gotta be fair I know, and like, I don't know. I, I just want to wait and see. I'm in a very wait and see, uh, you know, mode with that format. I don't really yeah. care. Like, I the only like the main activity I've done with modern is I've picked up a couple counter spells, um, and I've sold off through the breaches that I got for fifty cents each for nine dollars a piece. 
That's pretty good. <laughs> That's awesome. I actually got uh, through the breach and a blazing shoal out of a dollar bin two weeks ago and sold one for nine and one for seven. Nice. Yeah, so, I mean, like, that's, like, the most activity I've had, and I sold a breeding pool that I traded for. Like, that's, you know, like, I don't, they're just, like, unnecessarily expensive cards that uh, I can now sell for more than they're probably worth. Like, that's the way I'm <laughs> at, at Modern. Like, I don't know. Um, it doesn't look like a fun format to me yet. I might change my mind, you know, it might, I might come around to it, but right now it just doesn't look that fun. Well, I think yeah. that's part of it is part of what I was saying about waiting until the uh you know the band list uh announcement comes out because I think they're going to be making some sort of change. I mean, Aaron Forsyth said they're better than 50/50 at making some sort of change to the modern band list. So sure. you figured they would. Yeah. But, but I still I still don't even think I'll care then. I'll be like, "Okay, well then in 4 months when I have to play this for a PTQ, then uh, I'll borrow Joey's deck or something. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> well, why doesn't that apl- that same logic apply to Legacy for you? Because Legacy is, uh, I mean, are, is it more like because of the Star City events or Legacy's a format that I've already invested in? But I mean, in the same sense, and, like, and, like you've like, pretty I've, much invested in Modern too. Then how by buying Underground Seas? Oh, okay, good point. How is that dual <laughs> lands? I guess <laughs> like. You know, I, I'm working on putting together a mana base for Legacy, and that's going to take months. And, like, I don't want to have to also spend $35 each on Vesuvas. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, I think about the price of Vesuva right now, and I'm like, cool. Well, I'm never playing modern. Like, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't and it's not like, ooh, modern's too expensive, because if I really wanted to play it, I'll man up and pay the prices that those cards cost, you know? But, like, I've already invested a ton of money in Legacy. Like, I don't want to have to invest money in cards that I don't feel like deserve the price tags they have. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fair point. And I think, uh, I think like we said a couple weeks ago, a lot of this stuff, a lot of these prices are just kind of inflated right now because of the the whole hullabaloo surrounding modern and changing into the Pro Tour format and everybody trying to get into it because, hey, it's this new format and trying to get on the ground floor. And I yeah. understand all that logic early, but once the ground floor, like, once the ground floor is gone, which it was very quick and dual ends. Or Ravnica duels that is uh, went up to thirty bucks each or more. Uh, I think you've missed the ground floor, you know. Yeah. Well, then, like I've I've actually noticed that there's a lot more speculators in the market now. Like I think this this recent dearth of financial writers mm-hmm. um, has really created a whole new generation of or a whole new cash, if you will, <laughs> of of speculators. Yeah, and it's simply people just speculating on cards, right? Like raising the prices of all these cards. I think so. I think it definitely has a big, big uh, part in, in the prices. Is that kind of thing, like the speculation? So yeah, and I feel like especially on like Magic Online, when Modern was revealed, everyone wanted to just pick up whatever cards they thought would make money mm-hmm. and just buy them out. Which is why like there's so like the prices are so high right now because no one has anything, and right. it's impossible to find those cards. Like. I mean, this this wouldn't normally be the case. It's just the fact that everyone was just picking up multiple playsets. I imagine. Yeah, which really sucks. Like, I, I guess uh, I understand that side of it, but it really does suck when you're like 
trying to get cards and you just want a playset so you can play with them and yeah. there are none because somebody bought, you know, 80 copies of something and <laughs> because they wanted them so that they could sell them if they went up and of course yeah. it just if if tons of people are doing that it makes the prices just go insane. So especially like on older cards, you know, yeah. like Champions of Kamigawa cards that aren't in print and you know just stuff like that. Right. I mean, I can like as far as I I I do a little bit of speculation in a way, but the furthest I usually go is having an extra playset. You know, like I buy a playset yeah. for myself and have an extra in case I think a card's going to go up a lot and then I can still have my playset and have gotten some value out of it. And that way I don't lose very much either, but of course I don't gain very much when when the when the price goes up, but yeah, but that's not I mean, you're not really in it for that, you know. Exactly. But uh, I, I'm super excited about modern. I I just I think I love the card pool better than uh, more than I like the decks that showed up at at Philly. Yeah. That's so. I yeah, I am with you, Joe, on the looking at the decks and going, I kind of hate all of them. But <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, I love the card pool, and I think I'm I'm waiting for the ban list so that maybe we have some kind of more of a balanced format. And obviously, that's me wanting to play a control deck in a format that is so combo-oriented and really doesn't have control decks that are fast enough or that that can kind of compete with so many different kinds of combo decks um, at this point. So I- I'm hoping that changes and gives me an opportunity to play with, you know, my Vendillion clicks and uh, Cryptic Commands and cards like that. So that's what I'm looking forward to. As far as modern goes, so uh, yeah, there was actually. It's funny that you mentioned that because there was actually a list at the Pro Tour. It he had twenty two points in the constructed portion, uh-huh. and um, like it's pretty much like next level Bant with like Vendillion clicks, Tarmogoyfs, Vencers, Cryptic commands, you know, uh, sort of Fe- two sort of Feast and Famine, two Vidalcan Shackles, mm-hmm. four Rune Snags, stuff like that. And uh, you know, it, the deck did very well, but it wasn't in like the top eight or the top. I'm not sure if he was in the top sixteen or not, but. Uh, it was played by Brad Shepard, and, like, there are decks out there that aren't just the control deck, or, like, the combo decks. And, you know, it's I just think the format leans a little more time to mature. Like, this was the first event, and I, I, I think it looks relatively healthy. You know, it's just yeah. people aren't looking at that because they're seeing, like, they're not looking at, the like, the top standard decks from the event. They're looking at the top decks total. Which also takes into account the draft portion, which kind of skews the results. You right. Know? You mean modern decks, right? Top modern Correct. decks. Yeah, Did yeah. I say standard? You, you said standard, yeah. Yeah. Well, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like, I'm looking at this list uh, that you just sent me the link. Yeah, it, it does actually look pretty close to the kind of deck that I would want to be playing. And I somehow I didn't even notice this. I mean, I was at the, the event, um, but the funny thing is, and, and Joe and I actually noticed this back in at Worlds in 2007 in New York, was that we felt like you almost know more about what's going on when you're at home than you do at the actual event. It's yeah. kind of weird being there and and you kind of – like I was in Philly and I was sitting there and I was playing just some games with uh, Bryce Menard. Uh, we were just, just playing for fun and um, I said, hmm, I think I'm going to check and see what's happening at the Pro Tour. You know, And I picked up my phone and looked at Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, it's well. I mean, because you're like in it, you know. Like when you're at home, you're, you're taking a step back, and you can you can take it all in. Yeah. Whereas, like when you're right in the center of it, it's it's much harder. Yeah, it's definitely a, a lot of fun. Like I can't. Uh, 
I can't recommend it enough just to just being there. Uh, I know oh, yeah. the, the, um, after this year, it seems like from what I understand, I know they're saying that they're going to be private events, but from what I understand, they just mean there are going to be no side events. So I don't think they're going to be like checking your ID at the door to make sure you're qualified. <laughs> I mean, I guess I don't know for sure, but yeah, like they still haven't really clarified that. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think they have either. But the rumor I heard people saying at Philly was that there just were no public events. So I guess there's no point for you to be there other than to just be there and watch the, uh, you know, watch the pros play. So I guess that sort of makes the crowd. Uh, it makes it's. I guess it's just a lot less attractive for people who would normally just want to go and play events. But I just like being at the actual pro tour and seeing things happening and just kind of getting to watch feature matches live and things like that. So yeah, definitely. I yeah, I know, definitely know the feeling. What's your take on modern, Frank? Like, um, I love it actually. I don't know. Like, I've been really excited about it. There was a modern tournament at a, at the local store I went uh, go to, mm-hmm. and uh, it was only sixteen players, but like. The field was pretty diverse. There was, like, Zoo. There was Combo. There was Through the Breach. I played Blue-White Control, actually. Hmm. And I ended up in the finals with a player who was running Esper Control. Oh, wow. So, like, there's definitely room for control. I actually just threw together something that I had. I didn't have Hollowed Fountains at the time. So I was just playing, like, Mystic Gates and Fetchlands. And uh, I had, like, two Sword of Feast and Famine. And the only other thing I was missing, I had one Cryptic left over from, like, previous Extended. Mm -hmm. So I only had one Cryptic in the deck. But I, I just put Elspeths in there. Um... Yeah, stuff like that. I mean, I, I had eight man lands, uh-huh. four uh, mutavaults, and four colonnades, which actually won quite a few games. But I mean, I think the format's really open. You just have to, you know, be a little innovative in it, and don't be don't be like discouraged by all the combo decks. You, you, they're pretty easy to fight if you just try. I think. Yeah. I mean, they're going to get lucky and they're going to win, but you can't let that really get you down. As far as the the band announcement coming up, the band list announcement, what what do you recommend? Do you feel like some change is necessary, and what would those be if you had? I the, definitely uh, the feel authority? like some change is necessary. Like you know what, I I'm actually really excited about a format that has a really loose band and band like band list. Um, I think like if they do ban things every year and unban things every year, I think that's good for the format. I don't know, it shakes things up. And if something gets out of control, they, they people know that they're willing to ban it again next year, you know. And if it's if it's everything's just going in and out, then it's you're never really out of an investment. Like no one's going to buy cards and be like, oh, well, they banned it because next year they could just unban it again. Yeah, you know. But I, people are talking about unbanning Jace, mm-hmm. and that's really one of the only cards I don't agree with. Um, I don't want to risk that because I think that's really bad for business, so to speak. Hmm. Uh, I think unbanning Mental Misstep might be fine because, you know, both decks are going to use it. Combo decks are going to use it and non-combo decks are going to use it. Uh, unbanning Jit seems fine because we still have sort of Feast and Famine and sort of Fire and Ice, and those are arguably just as powerful. Um, and the other thing is unbanning Ancestral Visions, which I guess that seems fine. Drawing three cards is pretty degenerate, but, like, you do have to wait four turns. And people have argued that by that time, the combo deck should have already won. So they're not, like, accelerating the combo decks, really. Right. The same point is made about Jace, though. You know, by the time you play a Jace, the combo deck's probably already won. Um, that's true, but you don't want to put the control decks in a position where they start winning on turn four. And that's that's what I'd be afraid of. Or that, like, any, like, even the aggro decks are going to start splashing Jace, like, I don't know. 
Uh, Jace just scares me. Like he's, I, I've come to a point in my magic career where I'm afraid of Jace the Mind Sculptor and what he does to formats. <laughs> like now that legacy decks are actually running four Jaces, like Stoneblade lists, and there was quite a few Stoneblade lists in the top 16 of Atlanta mm-hmm. that were actually running like four Jaces. Even the Rug decks are running four Jaces. Yeah. So just like I don't, I don't want a format where the top 16s are like 12 four Jace decks. Yeah, I I think uh, obviously like I'm a big fan of Jason. I think I, I want to play him in modern, but um, I think the I think the correct call would be to give him give people an opportunity to see how he works in modern because yeah. you know there the weird thing is as big as he is in legacy, um, it it strangely could just not translate to modern. At, in a way, like there's cards like Blightsteel Colossus that don't see play in standard that that are pretty much one of the best creatures in vintage and Slash Panther. You know what I mean? Like yeah, nobody plays sure. Slash Panther, that's, but it's a vintage point. staple. You know, it's so, a twenty five dollar Japanese foil. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's funny how a card is just incredible in an older format. You'd think that it would just be broken in a in a more limited format and uh, right. with a smaller very- card pool. Yeah, that magic dynamic is actually very funny, and I've thought about that before, how, like, completely unplayable cards are good in, in certain formats, and completely busted cards are not good in other formats, and it's just, that translation is, is very funny. It makes sense if you really think about it, but it's still funny to just, to witness. Yeah, uh, and I think that kind of uh, logic applies sort of to what you were saying about having a loose band list where, hey, let's let's put Jace back. Because what we did in the beginning is we wanted to create a certain kind of format for the Pro Tour. We wanted to kind of just neuter a ton of decks and make this a brand new, fresh kind of format for the Pro Tour. Now let's step back a little bit. Let's let's maybe add some cards and take some cards off of the band list and see how things go. And then in December, we can say, all right, how are things? You know, what what's happening? Yeah. Is is Jace too strong or is he okay? You know, or, or whatever card. Jace, obviously, being the example we're we're talking about, and I think uh, I, I'm I'm all for that kind of thing. At least give it give people an opportunity to try try some of these cards in the new format. Yeah, and it also makes people a lot less apprehensive about like if something's taking over, people aren't going to start uh, crying. You know, the sky's falling because right. they know that Wizards as a company is a little more uh, relaxed about the policies. You know, so they're. They're willing to change things if they see a problem, and it's not going to be this like end all be all to the format if they have to do that. Right. It just so. becomes a much more like versatile kind of format, or very flexible right. format. It's a, yeah, like a much more liquid format. Yeah. So I, I definitely like that. So speaking of the sky is falling, the whole planeswalker points thing. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, basically they revamped the entire system of giving you points for playing. You know, the whole DCI rating system has been entirely revamped and changed into a system where you can never lose points for losing a match, which used to be like a, one of the biggest, and I think definitely was one of the biggest uh, downfalls to the old format being that like LSV could show up to an FNM and lose to little Timmy and, um, and lose little like, Jimmy. A t- <laughs> okay, little Jimmy then. And, uh, <laughs> and just lose a ton Pretty of cool. points because, you know, he got mana screwed or something. And then for whatever reason, he's now lost a buy at a Grand Prix or something like that. Um, but, uh, so that was a big, big major pitfall of the old system. And now you can no longer do that. If, if LSV loses to little Jimmy, he just doesn't gain any points. He doesn't lose points, and I think that's a huge thing. But 
this uh, not trying to go too in depth with it uh what it looks like is that it rewards people who just play a lot and it sort of punishes or maybe the maybe the right way to put it is doesn't reward as much the players who may be very good but can't don't have an opportunity to play all the time and uh basically they might be able to show up at a grand prix and do very well but that's the only event they're able to play within you know a month or two period and those players may be kind of hurt by the new system so yeah what do you guys think of it yeah i i think the system's is really good i don't know that's that's my initial impression uh of course they're gonna have to work any bugs out that that come up but i mean right now they're rewarding players for playing magic i mean there's gonna be hiccups like sure the guy who can only come out once every three months to play in a pizza queue or a grand prix is gonna suffer a little bit more but i mean there's it's really hard to find the balance of a perfect system that benefits everyone Right. And like right now you're saying, hey, if you play more magic, you will be rewarded for it. And I think that's huge. I think that's great for the game. You know, if I go to FNM and we have a 35 person turnout every week because uh, I help run the events in my local store. But if we have like 35 players every week instead of 20 or 24, then that's huge. You know, that's great for local stores. That's great for the game. You know, it's I think every, I think a lot of people win there. Right. It, I'm totally with you. It gives people more incentive to play. Yeah. And I think the people that it may be hurting are all are, are a very small percentage of the magic playing population. And while that uh, while that's true, they're also some of the best players, I think. And those are the people that you see kind of voicing their opinion. And maybe there are right. some kinks and some numbers that need to be tweaked or something. Because I know I've I've seen some crazy things on Twitter. People saying, "Well, it looks like if you play in in three pro tours it's just like winning one or something and uh even if you I, that's obviously i just pulled that out of thin air but things like that <laughs> you know crazy things where it looks like that <laughs> it was i'll say who it was it was that uh it was trick jarrett said it no um <laughs> <laughs> that guy doesn't have any idea what he's talking about <laughs> yeah so i mean it does look like uh because of the way the points are awarded you can potentially do you can potentially gain a lot of points for not really playing very well you just play in a lot of events um so and maybe those things need to be tweaked but i'm confident wizards is willing to make changes if the changes are necessary or if they see that yeah. changes are necessary they've shown us that they're this is one of the changes <laughs> this is a huge change that they're making because they saw things like players Pro players losing points as being a huge kind of hit. Well, they also the yeah they also saw like pro players just sitting on their ratings too. Yeah, you know? I mean that which, was the thing. They were yeah, which doing. does make sense. But you know when uh, like I think it's also going to draw players to F and M's and local small tournaments when people like Jerry T or LSV are going to F and M. You know, I, like I just saw a post on Facebook this week where like Cedric Phillips was like just went to my F and M. You know, and it was just funny because like. That seems like a draw to me. Like if you if you get really good big name players going to FNMs, like that seems good for the store and good for the game. Definitely. Now, now you say you you help run events, and Joe, you do too. Uh, at, right. At Spiral, did you guys see any differences this past weekend or this past Friday, or or uh, you know just after the Planeswalker points was announced? I personally did not. I was actually not there. My car. I was having a little car trouble, so I was not able to make it. But uh, I, before this, F and M attendance was actually steadily increasing, which was good. Okay, but I'd like to hear 
if Joe saw any results because that's interesting. Um, you know, like not much off the like right off the bat. Right, it I is mean? still like, pretty new. Right, so I mean, like I think people are starting to like you know figure out about the point system slowly, and I you know I'm, I mean I expect more competitive players to. I'm not saying our players aren't competitive, but you know I expect like more players who wouldn't normally come out to FNMs to start coming out or to start coming more often, you know, to like maybe to events they think they can do better at. Right. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. they don't have to run the risk of, you know, losing like max points. Right. You know, what's your general opinion, Joe, on the, on the changes on the planeswalker points? I think it's yeah. fine. I think the addition of the, uh, like the FNM championship is really awesome. Oh yeah, that that's another thing they kind of added, which I kind of gl- glossed over. You know, <laughs> I kind of just skimmed it really quickly. But yeah, that, that's I don't know the cool details too. of like that tournament, but like the fact that it exists is really cool, and it's just a cool thing they're doing for their dedicated F and M players. Yeah, um, what is it? Is it like the top one hundred or something like that? Top one hundred F and M, something like that. So that that is pretty cool. Um. So it sounds like we're all on board with the changes. So it's it's funny how I think uh, looking at looking at Twitter, you'd think tons of people hate it. I know uh, Noyan has been tweeting that he he really dislikes it. I think his uh, general feeling is that it punishes players like him or something who uh, who have lives, you know, who can't go out to these events and things like that. And I'm sure he'll. Share his opinion on his podcast, on Horde of Notions podcast. But I mean, like, so. is there a difference between punishing those players and rewarding the players that do or are able to go to all these events? You know, like, are they, are those, are those synonymous? Like, because in another respect, you could just say it's rewarding the players who go to all these events and who yeah. do have the time. It's, you know, a negative put way. The game... it's a negative way of saying that. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're basically saying the same thing though, right? Yeah. It, it seems yeah, that so, way. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. It's just a different perspective. And like. Someone has to get rewarded in the system. And, like, Wizards is saying, hey, if you're playing in our events, we're going to reward you. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to feel bad if someone who went to six PTQs gets more points than me who went to one. Like, that just makes sense. Yeah, exactly. If I want to qualify for the Pro Tour, I'll win that one PTQ I'm in. Like, that's how the game works. Right. It's it's like, you know, I, I it's somebody, somebody buying ten lottery tickets and you buying one, you know. Will they have better chances? Well, I'm angry. Right, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, you should have, I should have as many chances to win on my one lottery ticket as they did in their 10. Right. <laughs> no, what? That doesn't even make any sense. Exactly. So, And, I mean, you have to remember, Wizards is a corporation. Like, they're, they're, they're trying to make money. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, if they don't make money, we don't have a game. So Yeah, definitely. It definitely seems like it's good for m- more people than it hurts. And I yeah. think, uh, I think, again, like... Like every major change in Magic, uh, I think in the end it will probably be a, a positive, a net positive. Before we get to Innistrad, I know I, I keep saying that. Is there anything else you guys wanted to <laughs> wanted to talk about? Because I figure uh, we'll we'll just go with Innistrad and let it run, you know, to the, for the rest of the episode. I want to sure. talk about Innistrad. All right, Joe. Joe, um, anything? I else? actually. Um... Just a quick shameless plug. I opened a um, a Magic Online trade league uh, 
trade binder mm-hmm. again. Like I haven't been on there for a long time. So nice. I've been I thinking just, of doing that myself recently. I just opened one back up. So, um, I'm on there now and, uh, I figure that mentioning it on the show is a good way to get a link in the show notes. Um, oh, just- magic celebration. I just wanted to briefly mention, uh, the magic celebration that we had on Saturday, mm-hmm. which was just totally awesome. And we gave away a lot of free cards and uh, we gave away a From the Vault Legends to somebody randomly, too, just for showing up and playing cards for free. I feel really sure. sorry for that person. Why? <laughs> they got a ton of awesome commander cards now to play with. What, you mean oh, like hate- Omnath? Hater's going to hate, Joey. Yeah. Hater's going to hate. going to hate, man. Yeah. It got a foil Omnath. And a foil Rafik and Progenitus and Ulamog. I mean, there's I'm some pretty only good messing stuff there. around. You know my opinion on From the Vault Legends. I know you hate um, it. <laughs> yeah, but I would take a free one. I'd be happy with the free one for sure. I'm, I'm just just yeah, rolling. Yeah. I would have re-rolled if I rolled your number because <laughs> we had 30 players. So I rolled a 30-sided die and gave one away. That's pretty That's awesome. Pretty yeah. Um, what well, the Magic Celebration thing? It was like free to enter, wasn't it? It was just totally free. You just showed up and you played mini master and you got a pack every time you won that's awesome all right so let's talk about innistrad joe do you okay. have anything to say about innistrad not really uh, about you, frank, frank? anything <laughs> joe, joe's like i'm generally unexcited about this set <laughs> this innistrad set's gonna destroy is... magic <laughs> innistrad it's... is modern my magic world is boring right now <laughs> it's, it's it's gonna destroy magic double-sided cards the sky is falling magic is dead because they said they would never change the back of the cards, and then they did. <laughs> they did say that. Did they said they would never change the back of the cards, and then they changed the back of the cards, and now you know what magic this does. Is dead. You know what that means, though. The magic is dead. No reprints from the reserved list. Oh, there we go. There we go. Because okay. you know, wow, that was an interesting segue there. You're like, <laughs> well, that's this is the next logical conclusion. Clearly, <laughs> it, it is obviously like. Did you say they, logical collusion? Logical collusion. <laughs> I think I did stutter a little bit. I meant conclusion, clearly. (laughs) Trolls on this podcast. That's true. (laughs) My family was trolls before they invented bridges, man. I like that I saw that thread of yours on Facebook in one of your pictures, and it was just your family members, like, poking fun at you. (laughs) I was like, this is excellent. They're just giving him a hard time, this whole thing. That's my life, man. Everyone was like your dad, and I was like, that's awesome. And they make fun of my grandfather for having Alzheimer's. What? Like, (laughs) serious. Like, my family is relentless. And this is our metaphor at Innistrad, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, speaking of horrific. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. All right. Innistrad is coming out uh, very soon. <laughs> I can't even segue seriously. <laughs> Innistrad is going to happen. Yeah. So, that stuff. so obviously we don't have the full st- uh, spoiler yet for Innistrad, but I know they've uh, – I, I think somebody on the, the Daily MTG Twitter account said that they're spoiling the full set on Monday. So Monday the 19th. Wow. We will be able to see the whole set. Um but we've got a, a pretty good chunk of cards, and um, I've definitely highlighted a few of my favorites out of the set uh, from what they've spoiled so far. Um, the top of the list is got to be Snapcaster Mage for me. Um, it My favorite creature of all time is Vendillion Click, and this is very comparable, I think, in 
my eyes for the things that I like Vendillion Click for. Um, and so this is right up alongside that as being one of my favorite creatures ever. So, Joey, you're like an episode of um, Full House. You're so predictable. No one ever dies. Like, you just... Of course, your favorite Snapcaster Mage. Come on, how many man! People did you want, how many people do you want to die on Full House? Like nobody ever. Like there's never like you know Michelle got into an accident. She didn't it's make not it. Lost. There's always a life lesson, and everyone's <laughs> always fine at the end. Like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, tell me, what, what are you guys? What cards from Innistrad are you guys excited about? Um. That's a long list for me. I, 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 mine's a short list. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you can go first then. Army of the Damned and Endless Ranks of the Dead. They just went, "Hey, Joe, you know that uh, that that commander deck you've been foiling out? Here are like the two best cards we've ever printed for it. Like they just like vomited these cards at me. It's the most beautiful thing ever." What do they do? Endless Ranks of the Dead, it's two black and two. It's a rare enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, put X2-2 black zombie creature tokens onto the battlefield, where X is half the number of zombies you control rounded down. An Army of the Damned is a mythic rare. It's a sorcery for three black and five. Put 13-2-2 black zombie creature tokens onto the battlefield tapped, and it flashes back for three black and seven. And, um... I play Balthor the Defiled, and I run a bunch of lords, and they all make it to my graveyard, and then I bring them all out, and then I cast like either one of those cards, and I have literally endless ranks of the dead. Like, that's awesome. Makes me really happy, and so like they threw me a couple bones here, and I'm really pumped about it. I mean, there's stuff for standard and all that crap that I'm excited for too, but like, <laughs> no, but primarily those are the that two nonsense. things. <laughs> oh my god, like. Thank you so much. I like tweeted at at um, Ken Nagel, at Aaron Forsyth, at Mark Rosewater. Just like thank you. Like when I saw Army of the Damned, like I actually teared up. <laughs> I was like the most beautiful thing I have ever seen, and it's, an amazing, emo- <laughs> it's only pre-selling for three bucks. So the uh, foils will be like a very like manageable price for me to pick up and just throw straight in the deck. Awesome. So I'm really, really excited. Um, but anyway. I, I'm really excited about Innistrad because I feel like it's going to slow the format down a lot. Like, you're taking away, like, Vampire Lacerators, um, Kalastra Highborns, uh, Goblin... What's it? Goblin Guides. Guides. Yeah. <laughs> what's the really bad one? Uh, <laughs> and, like, it just feels like you're going to have a chance to play a lot of these cards. Like, a lot of these cards seem like they're not overpowered, but they're really good. Like this Angelic Overseer, the 5-3 for 5. Yeah. Uh, the flyer that as long as you control a human, it has hexproof and indestructible. Like, if you just build a human strategy, which seems like it would be very viable because of, like, Champion of the Parish, which is a 1-1 one, one for 1. He gets plus 1, plus 1 whenever another human enters the battlefield under your control. Mm-hmm. Like, it just seems like you can build around that. And a 5-3 flyer for 5 is pretty good. Right, it's it's like, it's like Bane Slayer ish, obviously. Yeah, the, the five I mean, power. It doesn't, you don't have lifelink, but you have hexproof and indestructibility. Like, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, that too. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be good enough, but it's one that I keep looking at and thinking, hmm, like that. And like, I just noticed, dearly departed. Have you guys? I mean, I've seen this before, but I just realized, like, 
that a strategy is actually being formed around it. Like it's it's a five five flyer for six, but I think the most interesting part is that it says as long as it's in your graveyard, each human creature you control enters the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it. Yeah, so it's like, hey, fight my five five. Thanks, humans. Uh, yeah, know? and like, right, and I'm just like thinking of a way to discard that early, like, yeah. and then just start playing humans after that as like an on like an undestroyable trick, you know? Right. Like, it's like an honor of the pure that doesn't even have to be in play. Yeah, and it get and they get counters too. So it's right. like even if they remove the your graveyard from the game with something, they the have counters. Yeah, the counters are there. Yeah. So it's even better than an honor the honor of the pure that doesn't have to be in play. Um, Another card that I think is really strong, and whether or not it goes into a, a human deck, you, you can obviously it's a it's a perfect card for that. But I think it's just great in general. Is Fiend Hunter? Like I'm, uh, I, it's kind of like the Journey to Nowhere on a stick, kind of. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a one three for white white one creature human cleric, and he's un- uncommon. When he enters a battlefield, exile another target creature. When he leaves the battlefield, return it to uh, return that exiled card to the battlefield under its owner's control. So very journey to nowhere, oblivion ring, tide hollow skuller-ish, you know. But um, I love this. I mean, it's great. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. It, it seems like a really pretty good control card in a way where, you know, uh, y- you can play him and deal with something and – you know, deal with something earlier, and later on, maybe you just need, like, a chump blocker and give them back whatever, you know, three drop that they played or something. Yeah, and there's also, like, the application, like, this guy seems really intricate in that, like, you could actually play it on your guy, like a titan, maybe. Oh, yeah. And just when it dies, you get the ability of the titan, or you could, like, Wrath of God and get your titan back after the Wrath. You know? Yeah. So there's a lot of subtle interactions that this guy allows. Also pretty, yeah, pretty neat with Wrath of God yeah. interaction. That's nice. There's also, like, the Tidehuller Skuller in action where, like, you play him, and before his ability resolves, you just, like, bounce him. Right. And then, like, the creature's gone forever at that point. The the, yeah. pro- the problem is, like, I don't see much – I don't think I've seen any instant speed bounce in uh, in Innistrad. That's true. And we're losing into the Royal. Um, I have to, like, look and see if there are instant speed bounce spells left in Standard. Um, there's Unsummon. Yeah, okay. So, so there's Unsummon, which is pretty weak, but – Right. It may be the only one. Um, there are two cards that I thought were pretty cool. Uh, you know, while we're on the topic of kind of bounce spells, um, one was was uh, Silent Departure, which is a sorcery speed unsummon, but it's got flashback, which you know it looks kind of weak. But when I think about it, and I compare it to something like Chainer's Edict. Which yeah. obviously, obviously, the Chainer's Edict like got rid of the creature. It didn't make them. It didn't give it back to them so they could replay it. But uh, and I don't think this is on the level of Chainer's Edict or anything. But it's one that I think about where you have, you know, you get to bounce a creature and then later on use the same card again to bounce it. It's ju- I just wish it was an instant. Um, but the other card, which is sort of similar, is Grasp of Phantasms, where it's a blue and three sorcery put target creature on top of its owner's library so again sorcery speed not exactly bounce but kind of plow under ish and this one has flashback for a blue and seven so uh i mean plow under obviously a very strong card but i think that's stronger one because it it hits uh hits two permanents both being lands so you set them back not only two draw steps but two land yeah two land drops so obviously plow under is huge but again like these are cards that i just that kind of jump out to me and think are these are these playable you know in in constructed i'm not sure and they kind of 
don't seem like it, but being able to, uh, you know, kind of not only take away somebody's somebody's play by you know that you bounce their creature, but you take away their draw step as well. Like that, that seems like a reasonable effect to consider. Yeah, I think I think if anyone's underestimating the uh, any of the flashback cards, I think it's a pretty big disservice because, like, granted they're not competing with Plow Under, but whenever you have an ability and then you have a flashback ability on it as well, like that's pretty big. And that's right. usually – typically that's always been played. Yeah, so th- those are two things that kind of jump out to me as far as uh, maybe maybe flying a little under the radar. Um, did you guys see – like they spoiled the uh, – th- there's this cycle of lands of that each have um, – each have some sort of ability, like ally color ability on them. Right. So th- I think they each produce like colorless, but uh, they have an uh, activated ability that you use. Uh, you know the ally colors to yes. to activate. I think so, the only one we haven't seen is the black red. Correct. Right. Uh, I think you're right. I don't. I, don't, I haven't seen that yet. But uh, you know, the, there's Gavany Township, which is uh, you pay two and a green and a white, tap it, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control. This obviously goes pretty well in the human deck, and it makes sense because the humans are green and white. Yeah. You know, it it does have like they were right about having this kind of tribal theme there and available, but not exactly necessary like that has nothing to do with with the human card type but it right. fits perfectly right into that strategy uh kessig wolf run which is x a red and a green and tap it target creature gets plus x plus zero and gains trample until end of turn that, that card's amazing really strong and uh that one goes right with the <clears throat> right with the uh, werewolf kind of thing um the the one that i'm excited about naturally is uh <laughs> the blue white one. is the blue white one but i mean it it's cool cuz you you pay a blue and a white tap it and exile a creature card from your graveyard put a 1/1 white spirit creature token with flying onto the battlefield so making tokens obviously awesome the the problem is is fueling it with creatures in your graveyard right. and in a control deck you don't really have a lot of those uh, usually lying around, but it, it's cool. Like I, I like that. And the blue black one was just spoiled, I guess, last night. Um, and Even I that was, one is exciting. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Like, well, the artwork for it is awesome. The artwork in this whole set, I don't um, think I've seen a. Uh, yeah. I don't think I've seen a single card that I've been like, uh, at all. It's all been good. Even Grimgrin. Even Grimgrin. Like, uh, I I, yeah. Like that's pretty cool. Do you guys? Are either were, were you guys ever at one point World of Warcraft players? I played it for a month. A friend of mine was trying to hook me on it, and he paid paid me uh, or paid for the account for a month. And I thought this is cool, and played it for a month and stopped. So he didn't hook me. Because there's a there's a town called Darkshire, mm-hmm. and uh, this whole set reminds me of Darkshire from World of Warcraft. It's just like a very like uh, old timey like Dark Age town, you know, with yeah. Uh, I could totally see this being that kind of thing. Actually, I have two of the uh, the World of Warcraft art books from that same friend who doesn't really care much about the art. He had the books, I guess, because he got them with the game and he just gave them to me. I'm like, cool, because I like fantasy artwork. So um, I'll have to look in there for that uh, that town. What was it called, you said? Uh, Darkshire. I'll actually okay. send it to you. So. Cool. Uh, but yeah, the, the Blue Black Land has uh, the ability um, – it's it's called Nephalia Drownyard. Uh, it costs a one, a blue, and a black, and tap it to activate the ability, which is target player puts the top three cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. So mill three, 
I think people look at this and go, oh, come on, another mill card. But there's, I mean, remember Millstone? That was a good card. <laughs> you know, yes. people people played with Millstone. And this is essentially uh, another kind of Millstone. It requires a color. Uh, you know, it has color requirements. But it's a land. And the fact that, you know, it hits three cards. Millstone, that only hit two, right? Yes. Yeah. And this like there's a ton of differences too because like you're not you don't have to a you don't have to build around this card you could just stick it in there yeah and maybe get some free wins and the other thing is like you, this is a block that is graveyard centric millstone mm-hmm. was just in a corset right you know this whole block is like even if you're not milling them you can mill yourself you can get flashback cards in there you can get what i mean like it visions of like, beyond yeah, I mean, yeah help visions of beyond like that seems that seems really good that seems excellent and like the applications are just pretty numerous i think for this card and it's just a land so it takes up a land slot in your deck it doesn't even take up a spell slot so. right yeah i really like that one um evil twin is actually pretty cool i think flavor wise yeah, that yeah perfect. definitely the fact that it can kill its twin is so cool yeah so so evil twin is a uh uh zero zero for a black a blue and two Creature, so that's, that's it. Right, it's, that's it. It's just vanilla. <laughs> a vanilla zero zero. Um, it's a creature shapeshifter. You may have Evil Twin enter the battlefield as a copy of any creature on the battlefield, except it gains the ability blue, black, tap it, destroy target creature with the same name as this creature. So, you know, these kind of copy effects are, are strewn throughout the, the game where, you know, you have things like clone way back when, but more recently we have. You know, Phyrexian Metamorph and Phantasmal Image, which are seeing tournament play in multiple formats. Now, this one, obviously, costing four uh, is a little more expensive than the other two. But this one has kind of an extra ability in that it gets rid of what it's copying. So not only, like, hey, now I have a, tit- a Grave Titan 2, and also you don't. You know, it's, it seems yeah. pretty cool. I, I like it flavor-wise. Uh, I don't know how playable it is, but it is, I like that they're exploring that design space in, in kind of, I think it could potentially be very playable. I yeah. Mean, I, it can copy any creature on the battlefield and, it, and it's a built in removal spell for that creature the next turn. Yeah. And like that you can, that you at least can have those creatures bounce off one another. You know what I mean? Like there's, mm-hmm. uh, there's some interesting stuff. So it reminds me in a strange way, I mean, when you, w- the net effect being like a mind control kind of thing. Yeah. Right? Like, now you had it, now I have it. Kind of, you know? I, I steal it from you, but in kind of two different steps. And, and I don't have yeah. to do it that way. You know, if, if it's better for me to just not use that ability, maybe I just have, you know, a go for the throat for your Grave Titan and then swing with mine. Like, why, right. why, why use the ability? So, uh, I, I love that card. Flavor-wise. Um, I'm excited that there's been 121 cards spoiled so far as uh, as per MTG Salvation. Uh-huh. And that's all, that's not even half the set. Yeah. You know, like, we still have another whole half of the set to go. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I know, um, what's his name? Uh, Useless End on Twitter. Uh, Greg uh, Hainig, I think is his name. Um, right. he, uh, he's been talking about how few like non-creature spells there are that don't produce creatures you know like he seems true actually which is kind of weird how many creature thing creature spells uh there are or or non-creature spells that also produce creatures and then kind of very limited numbers of everything else and i don't know if that means there's just just 
happened to be that way, like what was spoiled first. But kind I also of, feel like we've seen very little removal too. Yeah. That's a good point. But like one of the one of the one cards I did like, uh, and that I think is going to see a, a good amount of play, at least that's my opinion, is the uh, there's a burn spell that costs three and it deals three. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. If, if a creature has died, it deals five instead. Yeah, what it's called yeah. like? Uh, now let me let me get it. It's is it Brimstone Volley? Is it that one? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that's it. <clears throat> yeah, Brimstone Volley. It's a common for a red and two. And instant deals three and that morbid ability, which is awesome too. That's a perfect name for it. Like, did something die? Hey, did something die in here? You know, like, <laughs> I'm all excited. Hey, hey, hey. Then. <laughs> yeah. Get a little bonus for that. Yeah. I'm so excited if something was just killed. I'm so. encouraging you to kill things in this set. <laughs> <laughs> but it is pretty perfect. Uh, but yeah, it deals five damage to the creature or player instead. So it's no lightning bolt. Obviously, costing three times as much, but if something oh, already yeah, died, it's 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 cool. Like I like that. Um, I'm trying to see if there were other cards that I had written down. Invisible Stalker. I I talked about loving that on uh, two episodes ago. I know. Um, just just the hexproof unblockable on a one one for two seems. It, I just love that design. It seems so simple and like perfect. Yeah, uh, I'm excited about that. What do you guys think of Liliana and Garrick? I like them both. I think they're both excellent. Like, I think they're both going to have their applications. They, I like that they're not so overpowered that people think they're that overpowered at first. Mm-hmm. But I think they're just going to be just right. They don't seem too overpowered. They don't seem underpowered either. Yeah. yeah I think they're both going to find homes. I think they're both going to see a lot of play. And I think they've just they found the sweet spot with these two. I, I totally agree with you. Um, Liliana seems a little stronger to me, but that may only be because she costs three. Yeah. Right. And- I'm super excited about her, and just like, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, just like Jace Bellerin, cost three, the only real relevant abilities are the first two. Right. <laughs> like, I keep forgetting what her, uh, her ultimate is, it's like splitting up the permanence and choosing half or something. Yeah, I think I stopped reading halfway <laughs> through it. I was like, oh, never using that. Yeah. All right. It's like you I'm don't ever want that. to destroy half your opponent's permanence? Are yeah, you but you, you destroy the bad half. Yeah, so they're what? never going to select the good half. So what? It's half their permanence. If they have six permanents, like no mana to destroy three permanents doesn't seem bad. Well, it, all right. Well, you destroy all the permanents you want, then, buddy. Yeah, I I don't think it's. I think it's great if you were paying and having that effect right away. But the fact that she needs to stick around for that to happen, I guess the the thing is though, if you just keep using her plus ability. You know, because that's what you want to be doing anyway, and then you have the option to destroy half their permanence. It does seem like, hey, you know, maybe I will be doing that. But well, that's another thing. I mean, I think the ability would be much more appealing to me if I wasn't so illusioned with Planeswalker ultimates. Like right now, I just feel like an ultimate is something that I'll probably never get off. If yeah. I do, cool. If if not, that's not why I'm using it. Right. You know. But so like, it's basically like I don't even really consider that a, a very common ability. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely like you, or you also have this kind of or at least I feel like I do when I look at a planeswalker ultimate. I want it to basically say you win the game, <clears throat> in in some sort of different fashion. But it needs to win me the game. And so when I look at that and go, oh, it only destroys half of their permanents, not all of them. Oh, that sucks, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I think I'll be using her two other abilities, which are uh, target player sacrifices a creature and. Each player discards a card. Um, 
I, I think those are really – they can be really strong. And I think the fact that you can really build around her first ability to break the synergy would – is yeah. going to make her pretty powerful for just three mana. And again, being able to uh, – the fact that her, her second ability protects herself, I think people have compared her to like Gatekeeper of Malakir. You know, right, exactly. It's, it's perfect. And then instead of sitting there as a 2-2, it says, uh, also, let's both discard. Yeah, I can just see the blue-black deck now that like that goes turn three Liliana discarding Scab Ruinator. Yeah, let's talk you about know? that and guy. Then, and then like just building up to that and playing that guy for free after a while. Yeah, let's talk about that guy. Talk. Uh, what, what is that, Frank? Or at least I know what it is. But uh, he's, a, he's, the, <laughs> he's a five six flyer for two blue and one colorless, so three mm-hmm. mana. And uh, an additional cost is you have to exile three creatures from your graveyard. Uh, but you can also cast him from your graveyard, so they can be like, oh, kill him, ha, ha, ha. And then you're like, well, all right, I'll just play him again. So people have been comparing him to Vengevine in the sense that he just keeps coming back. Right. And a 5-6 flyer is pretty good. Yeah, seems really sick. <clears throat> yeah, like, I mean, I think that guy's going to see a tremendous amount of play, and across multiple formats, I would imagine, as well. It's a, It might be a stretch, but I can even see that guy making it into, like, dredge lists as, like, just a way to stabilize yeah, I mean, the the I guess the thing that makes me a little bit hesitant is those three creatures that it costs, and it's gonna yeah, it's gonna take a lot. I mean, like I think he's great with birthing pod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like that's true. Uh, yeah, but the three creatures, man, like how many times are you gonna have three creatures in your graveyard in standard? And like that's the thing. I feel like this set is really powerful, but it also requires a lot of building around, which right. I think is good though because it encourages like it encourages deck building. Yeah. You know, and I think I I I don't know if this is true or not, but I would actually attribute that to the Richard Garfield aspect of the set because he was also on Ravnica, mm-hmm. and Ravnica was kind of the same way. Like you have all these colors, but you know there's still themes within all the colors, and you still want to have all your your mana correct. And like I don't know, like it, it's a very like complicated set, but it, I think it rewards like committing to a certain archetype or you know whatever. Yeah, it's it's interesting too. The uh, which Medina pointed out to me on Twitter was the uh, the interaction between Scab Ruinator and Sun Titan, which is you don't have to pay <laughs> the uh, you don't have to exile yeah. three creatures. You're just, not casting uh, that guy. Just get him right back, which seems really disgusting. And um, I, but I think he's pretty vulnerable to something like a bounce spell. You know, like exile three creatures, pay three. Here's the, this dude, and you're just like bounce it, and now. They may have the mana, but they don't have the dudes in the graveyard anymore. Um, yeah, that's true. And I mean, I think that's, I think it's good that the card, like a card that that powerful, has that kind of a downside. Right. Like because I think a five six flyer for three mana is something you should work for, and it's not something you should just be given. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is too hard. This card sucks. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I know he's uh, he's pre selling for over twenty dollars at this point, and um, yeah, I don't know if he's. Like, people have compared him to this set's kind of uh, Abyssal Persecutor, and I think that's a pretty accurate comparison to some degree. Uh, just y- you have to work for it, and you get this big, big guy, you know? Um, yeah, that seems about right. I can get behind that comparison. And, you know, right now with no Jace, who, who knows how good Abyssal Persecutor might have been with no Jace in the format right. um, because we didn't really have that to really play with, but I know Titans came out and sort of also had a huge effect on whether or not Abyssal Persecutor was good enough, but being able to play him two turns earlier, I thought, without Jace in the format, may have 
really made him a lot better. And so maybe the same can be said for Scab Ruinator. Maybe he is the set's Abyssal Persecutor, but with no Jace, it's actually going to be way better than Abyssal Persecutor ended up being. Yeah, or like Abyssal Persecutor, you, it was hard to get rid of him. And with the Ruinator, it's it's hard to get him. Yeah, it's We're kind of opposite. The so. opposite, yeah. But um, again, being 5-6 and Dismember being such a popular spell, that 6 toughness is really relevant too. Um, yeah. It's going to be a little harder to get rid of him. And yeah, even if they do, you can just get him right back. Right. Uh, very cool. Um, another one people are talking about a lot about and trying to build around is Laboratory Maniac. Yes. Jo- Joe, did you see this? Uh, laboratory, yeah. Laboratory Maniac. He's a blue and right. two. He's a rare. He's a human wizard. He's a two-two. If you would draw a card while your library has no cards in it, you win the game instead. That guy's a maniac. Yeah. He's dancing like he's never danced before. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. really hit rock bottom. <laughs> it's very obvious. <laughs> so go so ahead. people are scooping up Leveler, which I think is hilarious. Yeah, Leveler basically is it's like a 10-10 for 5, but when he comes into play, you remove your library from the game. I think I think that's pretty yeah, much what it is. Right. And that seems pretty clunky to me. It really does. I think it's hilarious that people are like, Leveler, I'm going to speculate on Levelers. Yeah, the... Like, I mean, like... I mean, Travis got a set of foils for two bucks each, so I mean, like, whatever. That's pretty good. Yeah, may as well. I mean, he may be able to capitalize on that if he decides he wants to trade him away before everybody realizes it's really not gonna be that good. Um, it's, it's. I mean, if if you allow all of those things to resolve, then fair enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, you deserve to lose. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like so they they resolve the laboratory maniac who doesn't have like flash or anything. You just put him out. And then he has to live, and then you have to cast Leveler, and Leveler has to resolve without the Laboratory Maniac dying, and then you have to draw a card, yeah. either cast a draw spell or use an ability, but then that ability hits the stack. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then they have an opportunity to kill Leveler, or they have an opportunity to kill the Laboratory Maniac again. I mean, if he wasn't a 2-2, I'd be more, a little more sold on it, but he's just a 2-2. Right. So the card I wanted your guys' opinion on is uh, Curse of Stalked Prey. It's a red and one. It's a rare, and it's an enchantment and are a curse. Enchant player. Whenever a creature deals combat damage to enchanted player, put a plus one, plus one counter on that creature. It seems like it could be really good um, with some, like, you know, red aggro strategies or, like, you know, I don't know, green red, black red. You know, like, there's a lot of different decks with red in them that want to turn guys sideways and do so, you know, before your opponent can block them. Mm -hmm. You know, so I mean, it seems like it could be really good, and especially like with stuff like Stromkirk Noble, um, which is a 1-1 vampire for one red. It's a rare. It can't be blocked by humans, and whenever it deals combat damage to a player, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. I guess you could also use, um, you know, what's Stormblood Berserker? Right. Is that of it? Yeah. Like, you could also play that on turn two and have a 3-3 three, three and a 1-1. One, one. But, you know, you could run – you're probably running both those cards in the deck anyway. You know what I mean? I mean so, uh, yeah. 
And then there's Rackish Air, too, is the 2-2 two, two for 3. That whenever a vampire you control deals combat damage to a player, put a one, one, plus 1-plus one, 1 counter on it. Yeah, yeah. That, no, that's, that's an interesting one, too. Um, I mean, and then you think about, like, some of the proliferate things that, you know, if you have something like uh, Tezzeret's Gambit in your deck, you know what I mean? Oh, things yeah. get out of hand pretty quickly. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. There's just some interesting things going on there. Um, yeah, maybe blue def- red with thrumming bird or something. I don't know. You know I'm just, yeah. I'm just kind of some ideas around like um, agroliferate. Yeah, something yeah, like so that. It seems like it seems like there's got to be a deck there that these creatures just get bigger if they hit you. And uh, I think you're right. Like I think they're actually. I mean, I don't know how good it is, but I think you know people. It, it's there to be built and, and attempted. I think. Yeah, for sure, and I'll I'll be attempting it because um, awesome. I have. I mean, like I've I've been hoarding blue white cards for post rotation. I don't know what I'm going to build, but I've been hoarding like every good blue and white card. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going to build something like that. But then I'm also uh, looking at uh, you know keeping my girlfriend's mono red deck together. You know what I mean? So I've been, like, looking at ways to update it. So I'll be trying all of these things, which is fun. It's been really fun for me to, like, constantly be brewing Mono Red. Right. um, While I'm, like, working on other decks on the side, like, just keeping that one deck together. And it's actually been the only deck I've wanted to play for, like, the last month. Uh, I've just been playing the same Mono Red deck. Um, I think I've played – I don't even know if she's played a game with the deck I made for her. But anyway (laughs) – it's I just think mono red is definitely still going to be a thing. Like, I just feel like it's going to go in a different direction. But th- I feel like the cards are definitely still there. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about like big red with cough too, um, just because like I-, I keep thinking more and more about that card Geo Surge. Like, which one is that's from M uh, twelve or what is that from? From uh, New Phyrexia. Oh, okay, okay. They they run together. But it's, a card, it's a card that's really interesting because it costs – it's four red mm-hmm. and then it adds seven red that you can only spend on – I think it's creatures or artifacts, right? Oh, that's right. I remember so, this. Like, so I just keep thinking about that card and like turn four, you can play a cough and then you can add four red and you can play a geo surge for like a like – a, a mere battle sphere or just something crazy. You know what I mean? Like, right. Or like Balefire Dragon. Yeah, Balefire Dragon's kind of crazy. What to, read that one. Balefire Dragon is two red and five. It's a mythic. It's a six, six flying dragon. Whenever it deals combat damage to a player, it deals that much damage to each creature that player controls. I mean, yeah. it's sick. Can, I mean, it's definitely sick. If you hit with it, I mean, that's pretty disgusting, which I think is kind of – I don't know. I, it's like every time you look at a dragon, or at least for me, I kind of just shrug it off a lot of times. And I'm because, like, oh, that's cute. But yeah, right. I mean, I, but at the same time, that they play a Titan on turn turn six or whatever and you play Balefire Dragon on your turn seven. Like that Titan's not sticking around for long if, if, you, if you're still alive anyway. But there's no Valakit around to kind of kill you in one – one fell swoop with a primeval titan, but uh, yeah, and even if it's a grave titan, like they're gonna get in there, but like then you kill their tokens too. Yeah, so. like you wipe their board. I mean, there's very little that's even that's around that that's played that survives a balefire dragon. I mean, I think it's definitely worth looking at. Yeah, but I mean, you could even play slows down, right? But, it, but like if you play Geo Surge, you could also play something like Spine of Ishsa. 
You know what I mean? And then you can play like like a uh, what's the what's the card? Koldotha Rebirth to sacrifice the spine of yeah. Ishsaw. I mean, like I don't know. I'm just like thinking of all these like weird interactions for like no, a, good, a kind of a mono red control deck. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's interesting stuff uh, there. You know, I don't know. Um, you know. Another card that I like, like the I think. Honestly, besides like the uh, the abomination, uh, the thirteen thirteen guy, that transform card excites me. Um, the, Ludo, the, Gar- uh, the, the what is it? Ludwig's uh, Ludwig's test subject. Yeah, that one. Okay. Yeah, um, like I like that. Um, I like Garrick a lot, but then like the other card that I don't think people are talking about as much that I really like is Instigator Gang. Instigator Gang is uh, red and three. It's a two three human werewolf. Uh, it's a rare attacking creatures you control get plus one plus zero, right? So it's so it's kind of like uh, uh, hero of Oxid Ridge in a way, or orcish oriflam, or, or something like that. <laughs> but it, but it, I mean, but it's a creature you can't no, attack I, with the oh, turn. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then but then it has the flip ability, right? And the flip ability is really good. So the flip ability is uh, it's wild blood pack. Mm-hmm. And it's a 5-5 five, five trample. Attacking creatures you control get plus 3, plus 0. Like, that just I mean, it just seems really good. Um, I mean, you have that uh, the red-white Metalcraft legend guy uh, from New Phyrexia that kind of does the same thing. Oh, yeah. I forgot his name. Jorkadeen, the <laughs> prevailer. Yeah. Or I like to think of him as Dorkadeen. But, uh... <laughs> Real mature, buddy. Real mature. Thanks. So that's how I roll. Okay. <laughs> Hero of Oxid Ridge, I think, uh, I think still probably fits the four slot on yeah, that. That guy seems good. I, I don't know that like I'd play Instigator Gang over Hero of Oxid Ridge because the problem yeah, with fine. right, I mean, the problem with Instigator Gang obviously is he's really not worth it if he's the only guy you have around. Like playing four for a a three three that okay, then it becomes an eight zero trample if. You know, conditionally, it's, it's kind of. Uh, I mean, obviously, f- paying four mana for a, an eight eight five trample. Did I say eight zero trample before? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, for an eight five trample, seems good, but it's again kind of depends on your your opponent's uh, plays too much, and I think that giving them the opportunity to keep you from getting that, it, it's it's tougher. Like, I, but I think Hero of Oxid Ridge definitely sticks around in a four slot um it's problem with like you know a lot of cards like that like breaking point or something you know what i mean or even hero of uh blade hold where it's like it needs to stick around for a turn before it matters you guys know what haste does yeah that ability is ridiculous (laughs) that's why i like flash because it's like haste (laughs) yeah it's basically haste it's faux haste You know, like, that's a Snapcaster Mage, end of turn, whatever, and then uh, I attack with a 2-1 that you didn't expect. So, um, I think, uh, I think, I mean, there's definitely some awesome other cards that we could talk about, but we would just go on forever. Uh, I think that's true. Yeah, like, there's that vampire they spoiled today that, uh, did you guys see that? Yeah, the one that makes two two flying vampires. Yeah, Adam yeah, that guy uh, seems ridiculous. Adam Staborski spoiled it. Yeah, so it's it's a three three for black black two creature vampire rare, not a mythic. I thought this guy would be mythic, but he's only a rare. No, no sir, apparently. Yeah, so he's a three three flyer for four. Uh, tap it to put a two two black vampire creature token with flying onto the battlefield. That's freaking sick. It's awesome, isn't it? I mean, I love that. Well, card. it seems like he seems like the master of the wild hunt for this set. Yeah, 
and then he's got more abilities. Like, I think that's pretty sick. 3-3 three, three flyer that puts out 2-2s? Two like, that's pretty cool. Uh, and I think the 2-2s the fly. Yeah, 2-2 two, two like, flyers. I, I yeah. Like, and they're vampires. Yeah, so right. when, Which means if you have a Bloodlord of Vazgoth for some reason, they enter the battlefield as 5-5s. Five, 5-5s. Five. Five. <laughs> Gosh. So, uh, anyway, then you can pay a black to transform him, but you can only activate that ability if you control five or more vampires. So, that's pretty conditional. I mean, if you... But he does count himself. He do, yeah, he counts himself and any of the other dudes he made, so that's cool. And the other cool thing is he can make the fifth vampire, and then you can pay a black to transform him right away, rather than you don't have to, like, wait until he's untapped again. Yeah. You know, that's cool. And so he transforms into a 5-5 five, five flyer called Lord of Lineage. Um, other vampire creatures you control get plus two, plus two, and you tap him to put a 2-2 two, two black creature... Black vampire creature token with flying onto the battlefield, which of course is a four-four flyer. Like, hey, I pop out Tangier vampires. Like, that's so ridiculous. I don't know how good vampires is going to be, but if it's at all a deck, and it's and the format slows down, like Frank was saying, uh, this guy is kind of scary. I mean, he yeah, also I, could honestly be in like just in like a black-based control deck. Yeah. Also. Yeah. He's like a finisher. Yeah, he's, he's his own army, like, basically. Right. I mean, that seems so cool. And he's just a rare. Like, I can't get over the fact that he's just a rare. I think I just noticed that. I don't really remember noticing that last night. He but, definitely seems like the Dralnu of the set. Right. He's uh, oh, Dralnu, uh, Drana. From, oh, right, 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 right. Uh, Rise of Eldrazi. Yeah, I think I was thinking of Jarl New being like just like the one dude you put in the control deck. I thought that's Oh, like a one of, yeah, as your, <laughs> yeah. As your finisher. Right. That works too, actually. Uh, but actually, the card is called Bloodline Keeper. I don't think we ever said that. Uh, and he transforms into Lord of Lineage. So I, I, I think that's awesome. Making vampires is definitely keeping the bloodline alive. <laughs> yeah. And the art on both sides is awesome. Um, I think yeah, actually I like, I like the art on the front better, which is different. Like I kind of like the art on the back of almost everything else I've seen. But on this one, I like the front. Maybe I just won't want to transform him because I want to see the cool art <laughs> on the front. <laughs> no, I know I would win if I did that, but I like the art better. It's just more pleasant to look at. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I guess I think we'll wrap it up here for this uh, at this point. Um, Frank, did you have anything that you wanted to uh, wanted to mention or plug or anything? Uh, I don't think so. You can find me on Twitter at, at Frank Lepore. Um, I'm on Untapped Cast. Yep. And you one can of my favorites. com or on iTunes. And I really appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your business hours to, uh, to actually <laughs> record with us because I know we didn't really have any other slots that we could record. So No, we, got, we made it work. It was yeah, good. Definitely. And I had a yeah. lot of fun too. So Me too, actually. If you guys want me on again, just let me know. Cool. So uh, I'll quickly run over some upcoming events and we'll wrap it up. So, well, you don't want to know if I have anything left? To add. You can just add it next week. Um, so September. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, did you have anything you wanted to add? No, I'm sick of talking to you guys. Awesome. So uh, <laughs> this weekend we have GP Montreal, September 17th and 18th, which is limited. It's uh, M12 limited. Uh, September 24th, 25th, that's next weekend, is the pre-release weekend. I'm super excited for that. Uh, and then the week after that, October 1st and 2nd, Star City Games Open Series in Indianapolis. And that is the first weekend where Innistrad is actually legal for standard and legacy and modern side events and also limited. 
Actually, it's legal for a week earlier. <laughs> uh, also extended and vintage. Um, <laughs> also right. mini master. Uh, yeah. So, I <laughs> uh, think that's everything. Thanks again, Frank. Anytime, guys. It was good. It was good to be on. Uh, we, we had a lot of fun. So, uh, we are YoMTG Taps. Stop bitching, start brewing. Joey, you're like an episode of um, what? What? Oh my, my so-called god. life. No, that was a good show. Oh my god! Why did I like lose the name of the show? The one with Michelle and and Danny Tanner. Full House. Full House. Full House. <laughs> I wanted to say Family Ties for some reason. <laughs> like the only show names that popped in my head were Family Ties, Family Matters, and Family Feud. I was like, it's got to have the word family in it somewhere because it's about a family. What would you do, baby, without us? <laughs> what would you do, baby? Wow, this is a sick little Family Ties beat you must have. So he's got a cover of it on uh, somewhere in the space void. Yeah, um, I think I posted a video of myself covering that song on uh, with my guitar on MySpace in like 2006 or something. Oh god, I wish it still existed. It, does. <laughs> it may still exist. Oh, I'm finding it. Another one people are talking about a lot about and trying to build around is Laboratory Maniac. Yes. Joe, Joe, did you see this? Uh, Laboratory. Yeah. Talk about it. Okay, so Laboratory Maniac <laughs> Talk is about it. a. Stephen L. Miles, let's talk about it. <laughs> um, I have to get to the card so I can actually read it. So sing Sorry. us a song while you're uh, while you're doing that. At <laughs> home, uh-huh. drawing pictures <laughs> of mountaintops with him on top, lemon yellow sun. Arms raised in a V. Laboratory Maniac. He's a blue and two. 